I think this slowing down is a catalyst for a lot of change that was already in the offing. So um, for the last year or so, I've been saying to our team, you know, it felt like the art market and the market, our, the auction market was on a candy binge for a long time. And now they're ready for that home cooked meal. This is the Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Today, I'm joined by Laura Doyle, who is the CEO of Doyle Galleries here in New York City and uh, beyond New York City, in fact, as well. I have known Laura, thank goodness, for a very, very long time. And um, it's a family business, which she recently became the CEO of. And it's an auction uh, house, but also extends into many other services and areas, particularly in digital, which I find fascinating. The new age of auctioneering in the digital age, I think, is something that is never more uh, interesting to talk about uh, in the world that we are currently living in, given that at this recording, we are still in lockdown. Um, and uh, Laura, who is one of the most funny people that I've ever met, not to put her on the spot, but also one of my oldest friends. This is my first person I ever really met when I arrived in, in America was Laura uh, and, um, and my first Thanksgiving, I think, indeed, also was uh, at Laura's house, if I'm not mistaken. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on the safari. Thanks so much, Morty. I'm, I'm happy to be here virtually with you. Virtually, exactly. So um, for those who do not know Doyle, um, tell, tell everyone a little bit about the history, because it's a really quite beautiful history. Your father, your late father was an incredible man, and, and your mother ran the business, and now you're running the business. Talk a little bit about the history, because it's the, 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 the provenance, I think, is, is really quite charming, but very relevant to who you are today. Sure. My father started our business in 1962. Um, he was an antique dealer first starting as a picker, um, bringing property from um, New England and selling it off the back of his van to Upper East Siders, and then uh, launched into auctions in the summer of uh, 1967, 68, 69 um, in East Hampton and Montauk. Um, he came from a very large family. He's number six of nine. And he would draft his brothers and sisters and then my mom's brothers and sisters to East Hampton and Montauk in the summer to have um, auctions. And then in 1973, he opened um, our full service auction house in the, our current location on East 87th Street. And um, tragically, he died quite young at 53 in 1993. And my mom, who had had a different career, jumped in to uh, run our business 
um, and ran it for 25 years as chairman and CEO. And last year in 2019, I took over as CEO and she stepped back to uh, remain chairman. But, you know, I've been working in the business since I was eight years old and um, it's changed a lot, but a lot of it has stayed, stayed the same. It's, you know, it's, it's a great family business and it's a lot of fun. And a lot of our team has worked there for a very long time too. So it's beyond just the Doyle family, it's the family of Doyle. And that's really what makes it a special um, place to work. So as you know, on, on the safari, I've, I've tried to profile or shine a light into the different areas of the industry. And um, auction houses of all shapes and sizes have been uh, deemed to be maybe something that is uh, obviously at a luxury end of the market, which of course you are. But I feel that there's been a democratization almost of auctioneering because of .com, because of e-commerce, because of the ability of reaching more people as opposed to having to come to an auction house. And again, as we sit today, um, most retail uh, and of course, most galleries and such are also closed. So how, how have you seen the industry of auctioneering evolve uh, over the years? Obviously, everyone's very, uh, everyone knows about art, but you don't sell just art. You sell any number of, of, of beautiful, rare products uh, so maybe talk about this sort of the evolution of the industry and where you fit within it. Traditionally, auction is wholesale. So um, the fair market value, which is the price that a willing buyer pays a willing seller, is what the area that the auction market has, has served. And I think that you know our business has really been divided into professional sellers, professional buyers, and then private sellers and private buyers. So it's an ecosystem, and the average person's perception of auction is the art market and that very rarefied white glove experience champagne and evening sales. And that's certainly what um, gets the most publicity. But the bulk and the volume of auction is really um, much more democratic and always has been. Um, they're public auctions. Anybody can walk in. Certainly, um, you would you would want to there's a bit of a uh, of an insider's view on, on auctions in terms of feeling like you need to know exactly how things work and lingo and and they're almost and, intimidating and people sometimes. It can, right? it can be, it can be, but uh, at its core, it's just a very efficient way to sell property because you are taking property that is consigned and there's a there's variable pricing. So it's it, you're, people are paying what the market determines the price to be, um, and I think that that's really, really, really interesting in this environment because you're not we're not taking items on consignment um, at a fixed price. We're not you know having orders that have been committed to at a particular price that now we need you know to sell within a certain period of time. There's it, it's just. We're, we're providing access for our sellers to the buyers in the marketplace and then the buyers determine the price. So I think that it, it's almost funny that it's coming full circle because it's really a uh, unsophisticated in some ways um, way of, of buying and selling that is now available to more people through online and it's perfectly suited to that. 
Yeah, but but not only what's what I find rather charming about the whole uh, thing, and this, this applies to your sector, your industry, not not just for you, is this idea that what to some may be deemed a rarefied activity of of going to an auction uh, actually is experiential, right? Whether it's yes. online or in person, it provides this experience, um, which is it dynamic, it's interactive, it's interactive media now, actually, if it's online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, so there's a buzzword, experience. And the other buzzword is is sort of sustainability, green, uh, circular economy. Uh, the idea that, you know, you aren't, you know, causing, uh, you know, all manner of, uh, of greenhouse gases by shipping stuff all over the world or, or into or manufacturing it. You're actually, you know, you're, you're upcycling things into new owners, finding new homes for things, uh, new value in, in, a, in a new, in a new home. And, and so these experience and let's call it sustainable, um, are so in vogue today. How are you finding those elements, um, uh, relevant to your business and how you explain them. I think that that's also something that we're seeing right now is people have time. Um, there's appetite to buy and there's appetite to sell and there's certainly a market, but we're seeing that people are taking the time to, uh, to review our catalogs, to ask the specialist questions, not in person right now, it's, you know, through zoom and FaceTime and email and experiencing things through um, social media as well. But that, that whole experience of buying um, and the event of the auction is something that is replacing maybe that in-store experience that people are craving. And um, I think that beyond the, just the current situation, that was something that we were seeing a lot um, a lot more because it really, uh, it, it also suits itself to showrooming. If you think about it, that people come in and they will view things, you know, in person and then they will, you know, maybe they've done some research ahead of time online and they come and see it in person and then they, um, transact or bid online again, which is exactly the behavior that you're, that people are experiencing in re- retail. And I think that being able to engage with specialists and understanding the stories that have to be told about the items and that are there and the context and the history is something that is, is also experiential. Um, so I think that that whole buying experience and translating it online is a very necessary component of it is the human piece of it. So we have specialists who are, who are able to engage with clients in a very personal way in a very, you know, their knowledge and their, experience and their expertise are really, you know, something that makes that the buyer feel comfortable purchasing online um, and without maybe viewing something in person. So I feel that that trust is really what accelerated our ability to translate from this, you know, very tactile offline experience to a fully online experience. And then, you know, and the dynamic pricing of it as well but also, as you said, the you know the circular economy, which is definitely something that um, we're hearing a lot about. This this you know items that were in someone's home um, and used and loved, but have you know still maintained their usability are not. It's, it's the opposite of fast fashion. You know things that are used for generations, passed for generations, maybe not within the same family, but amongst uh, multiple families. Um, so I think that that's 
and you know, again, you're right, the no off gassing and um, all of the things that make it attractive for people who are conscious of their footprint and, you know, keeping a green home. So, yeah, young people in particular, maybe I think everybody now, but, but I, Gen Z and, and who's not yet your customer, uh, Gen Y, the millennials, um, do you feel that their adoption of companies like the real, real, at least buying, you know, formerly used product, it's not an auction, but it's formerly used product, um, rent the runway, they're using used product, uh, shared product, which today might have some issues. Um, but the real, real, I think in some way might be training the next generation of, of auction followers. Have you, have you got any whiffs of that? Um, yes. I mean, I think that people are certainly thinking about what they're spending on and the value of the items that they are, are investing in or, um, that they are bringing into their homes or into their lives and, and that they are enjoying. And they certainly are much more conscious of resale value. Um, I think that the real, real does a great job with items that are, um, at that commodity level. So they sort of maintain a certain value. Um, and, and, and accessing luxury and, um, secondhand luxury is, and sort of, um, destigmatizing that is something that's a great part of educating the next generation of, of buyers that certainly makes them prime for auction. So when, when you, when you think of them, uh, being primed for auction and then you see, uh, there's a winner, there's only one winner. But there's a lot of underbidders. How are you able to monetize the underbidders? Is there a, is there a, is there an opportunity there? How do you make them feel better about having lost? Because I know as a, <laughs> I'll get in, I'll get into this a little later because I'm an avid uh, hayloft uh, by Do- by Doyle follower, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and when I lose, I'm livid. Uh, but you but but you have the data. You knew what I was going to uh, will be what I was willing to to spend. Um, how do you leverage that, if at all? I think you know that's definitely something um, that we're working on. And you know a lo- most of what we sell are unique items. There certainly are things that come up from you know, regularly or additions and prints and like things that we will see. and um, we, we do have, you know, very analog way of, of contacting buyers um, who've expressed interest in certain categories. And I think our next sort of digital revolution will be um, automating that. Um, we had for a long time a service called Personal Shopper on, um, on our catalogs that scans and um, sends you notifications. But, you know, people get a lot of emails. <laughs> and so trying to make it something that makes um, that, that, you know, your tastes change and, and make sure that we're keeping up with people's trends that we can do um, in a very unobtrusive way, you know, so that it's welcomed. Um, I think that'll definitely be the next place that we focus on digitally. So speaking of what I was just referencing, we might as well jump to it. You, you launched recently, uh, maybe not so recently, but it's relatively new in the history of your company, uh, Hayloft, which is sort of, I think of it as the opening price point of Doyle. And I find it one of the most fun activities whenever it's, it's there. And, and for those who don't know, I highly recommend to, to start, if you haven't followed the auction world, 
to start using Hayloft because there are all these fun finds. And what's incredible about the urgency of, of auction is that I remember with a mutual friend of ours having a drink with the guy at 7 p.m. Uh, and it happened to be literally the moment that I was about to lose this bid uh, on some item that I that I loved. And there I was, I said, literally, I stopped everything. I said, I cannot talk for the next three minutes. I've got to go onto my phone to make sure that I win this item. So how did Hayloft come about, which I adore? Um, how is it, um, how's it going? And so what are some of the learnings about sort of the new customers that you've been able to attract into that wonderful competitive arena <laughs> that is your world? You know, I think um, Hayloft was a service that we always provided for our sellers, which is our, our broom clean service. Um, and we found that as younger buyers were less enthusiastic about you know, taking their parents' hand-me-downs and wanted to furnish their their homes with brand new catalog offerings, that there was a softening in the furniture market. And um, being able to handle um, that level of property and also um, provide the service that we wanted to provide, this broom clean service to our sellers, we decided that an online-only model um, based out of the South Bronx was um, a way that we could reduce you know, the handling costs and at the same time get back to our roots um, with this element of discovery and um, joy of, of buying where things start at $5 and there's, an ex- you know, an excitement to getting something quality at, at a very low price. Um, and so Hayloft launched as fun, easy and affordable and the other piece of this is that, you know, there's a whole ecosystem to the auction world um, and the antique world in terms of the dealers. And um, as they're, as particularly furniture dealers, as the market shifted and the, there was that softening in the furniture area and decorations and traditional home elements, the, the dealers struggled. And so providing them with an opportunity to, to buy um, property that they could resell. It's very important for us to have that, you know, all of these players um, in, in the market, um, not just, you know, to, for pricing, but also for education. And so, um, you know, giving access to younger um, buyers, but also to dealers who could, who could then resell something at a profit allowed, you know, more growth in in that sector and as the market has become stronger you know it gets a little more competitive as you know on some of the lots that you might be interested in but it i think that um hayloft has definitely given us um the opportunity to capture the joy uh, of collecting and to play you know have some fun with some of the the marketing and some of the way that we present things and and it's very, it, we say it's for decorators, dealers, and DIYers. Um, so it's, I think that that's been a really fun um, piece that is returning to our roots, but also is um, fresh and new and, tar- and reaching a new audience. Yeah, that, that's great. And you also just, I think, if I'm not mistaken, launched something called Doyle at Home. What is that? So what we found during this um, time period is that a lot of businesses in our ecosystem don't have access to online buyers. They don't, you know, they're, they're very traditional and maybe they have a website that's informational, but 
they're not able to do their business. And um, with this shutdown and with, you know, online only, basically our business has gone from 25 to 30% online to 100% um, online overnight. And so we were lucky to have a team that could make that adjustment, but not every business has that um, luxury. So there's a great business in um, West Palm Beach called Kofsky's that has um, estate sales once a month and people line up around the block. Um, there are rumors that some people, you know, pay people to stand in line for them so that they can secure the best property at the best time, but they weren't able to translate their business online. So um, starting with, with Kofsky's, um, we are launching doyleathome.com, which is, you know, borrowing from the flash sale model that did so well post financial crisis um, and kind of that same, trying to translate that same excitement of discovery and value and purchasing, you know, exciting new things and competition and waiting online um, into an online experience in a very you know, a time it, we start at nine o'clock, they're saying is you know, be on be in line by nine. And so ours is now be online by nine. Um, and, and it's something that we hope that we'll be able to provide for other businesses that aren't able to capture these online buyers. So is it 24 hours? Yeah, it's, it's an e-commerce site. Um, it'll be uh, 10 days for the wholesale, but I expect okay. everything to sell out <laughs> pretty quickly. In, in, in just a matter of minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How amazing. Sharpen your so, elbow. There we go. Everyone's going to be there. Uh, just, just duking it out. I love that. And um, when's that? That's is that already up? It's May 2nd. It's launching. May 2nd, 2020, in case someone's listening to that, yeah. this 50 years from now. <laughs> but I think, I think the challenge is for our business and you see this with, um, businesses that that are in our area in our sector that want to scale and trying to scale and offer volume while still creating that energy and event driven um, buying is, is is a challenge um, you 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 know you want to offer um, more and more products so that you can you know capture people but um, without the call to action of an auction or a flash sale or you know, a fair or um, some kind of, you know, timeliness to the purchasing, then, you know, it, it's a challenge. I mean, I think about first dibs when they first launched every Wednesday were the new offerings um, and they would put up everything new and everybody would, you know, be online trying to see what was new from the dealers. And it was very exciting. But I think that, you know, as you build out that inventory and it stays there for a long time, it, it becomes a little bit stale and, yeah. uh, and same, you know, with the guilt model of the flash sales, people develop flash sale fatigue. So I think that the challenge um, for businesses like ours is keeping your customers engaged, but not um, oversaturating them. Yeah. It's really interesting to look at businesses through this strange time that we're living through. So who are the winners? Because, um, ultimately, there are some companies you wouldn't expect. So, for example, we're involved with a, a CPG business that makes uh, sprinkles and 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 uh, cake uh, cake decorating products. You know, they're booming during this period, and people are rediscovering uh, sort of this passion for you know sitting around the table and baking cakes and decorating cookies with their kids and um, sort of a back to basics thing. And so that business is is booming. Another company we're involved with 
is a home company and they sell to Walmart and Target and such. Uh, and th th those that business is seeing double its weekly volume uh, wow. because of people wanting to, in those channels, which is obviously mass market, because they're wanting to, I think, you know, they're sitting at home, they want to make the home uh, more uh, hospitable to themselves and to their family. So going to the luxury end of the market, I have this belief that the luxury home industry, and maybe even the trade, which has, I think, often struggled a little bit mm -hmm. to deal with the likes of the specialty stores that have popped up to really compete with the trade. I think that sort of that sort of flight to quality and to uh, experience and pedigree and, and, and taste. I mean, the designers themselves, for example, um, I think it is something that people will rediscover having spent so much time stuck in their own homes. And they're either really happy to be stuck in their own in homes and, and, and are because they've actually invested in them. Or they're really feeling the opposite. Like I wish I'd actually put a little bit more elbow grease into my own home. Um, do you, feel the same way about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that people want to surround themselves with things that they love. And um, a lot of what we're also seeing is nostalgia. People are, you know, as you say, rediscovering baking or things that they did with their, their own families growing up or sitting around the dining room table. And now so many people have gotten rid of their dining room tables and made them media rooms or that sort of thing that I think that we'll see people buying dining room tables and and enjoying china again and silver um you know one thing that's kind of interesting is silver has a natural antibacterial quality to it so we're seeing a huge resurgence of people buying sets of silver and silver serving pieces and candlesticks and kind of that whole tabletop category um but also jewelry because why shouldn't you enjoy beautiful jewelry while you're looking at yourself all day on Zoom calls? <laughs> and and you, you're not going outside with a handbag, so you might as well have, have beautiful earrings on. But yes, definitely flight to quality and home and investing in the things that are around you. So even though you've been obviously focused on this area of, of your industry, as long as I've known you, you've been interested in and a student of the fashion industry, the broader luxury goods industry, just the trends. Um, and you and I have had many a debate, God knows how many different topics uh, of this nature. What, what are your, what's your two cents, any observations that are interesting to you about, about what's going on in the broader luxury and fashion industries that, um, that pop into your head? Well, I think going back to that, I think the, the, um, the emphasis on the home. I mean, so much emphasis and money has been spent on travel that I think that um, now with travel restricted and people being conscious of travel, I think people will definitely start to change that the way that they're living their everyday life, you know, and, and how they're spending money um, isn't just maybe on, on a fixed one week a year, it's spreading it out over the course of, a year um, in little luxuries or daily luxuries or, um, you know, kind of thoughtful purchases. I think people also maybe will um, think about buying less, um, fewer, better things. Um, quality, yeah. Yeah, quality and, um, and value. I think that there's an expectation of value that people want that 
quality thing to hold that value, to be something that they could resell, that they could change their mind, you know, so that they're not left with, I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've done the same, but, you know, we've cleaned out so many things from our house and thinking, do we really need all this stuff? Um, this is bring me joy. Time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Marie Kondo, where are you? Um, <laughs> but I think also, you know, People, you know, they talk about the great wealth transfer. I think that that may be accelerated, that more volume of property coming on the market um, may impact prices um, in some ways on our our end of the market. I think that um, people will have bucket lists of things that they that they want, you know, um, with this emphasis on quality in terms of I think of it as like a you know, greatest hits for jewelry. I've always wanted this. I've always wanted that. I've always Mm. wanted this, you know, and I think, you know, focusing on those being really, really thoughtful about it. And the other thing is that our patience has been um, strengthened during this time in terms of, you know, getting something to, you know, in, in an hour or, you know, the next day, maybe isn't the same. We've, we've had to adjust to that expectation. And so I think, you know, thinking about working towards something or um, laying layaway or, you know, kind of what, what is it earning something, you know, what is it that you, I, I mean, I've, I've had to really think about those 50 items I put in my fresh direct, you know, shopping cart, because that's what I'm limited to and coveting that Wednesday three to six spot, you know, because I could get it. And I think rather than, you know, the, flurry of Amazon packages arriving on my doorstep every day, you know, everything that I bring into my home, I have to be thoughtful of and conscious of. And um, what does that mean? Everything you talk about just feels like a a slowing down and a mindfulness that has Mm -hmm. been absent, I think, for maybe a decade, if, if not longer. It makes you think about fashion, the fashion industry, which of late with its collaborations and its fashion shows and its influencers and its fleeting nature. Um, the, the word fashion by, by definition is designing stuff that will go out of fashion very quickly. And I wonder how the fashion industry can learn from your industry about how to inf- infuse something more than f- the fleeting, because ultimately the fashion industry is built off of creating desire, uh, yet if people uh, have lost the desire, period, it, it, it poses an existential um, issue, I think. Any, any thoughts on, yeah. on that part of the world? I think this slowing down is a catalyst for a lot of change that was already in the offing. So um, for the last year or so, I've been saying to our team, you know, it felt like the art market and the market, our, the auction market was on a candy binge for a long time. And now they're ready for that home cooked meal. And um, that return to traditional things. I think you'll see Ralph Lauren um, doing some really interesting new things or being much more relevant than um, just as a brand that people will return to. Uh, I, you know, I noticed uh, myself leaning towards him, looking towards him, you know, I think he did a really, he did a really interesting, yeah, he's classic. There's good quality. You, um, it's very American. Um, I think that there's, um, he just didn't, they did an interesting thing and hired a decorator, Billy Cotton, who is, 
very innovative to run their home line. He um, and Billy, you know, they have a whole team of people who are buying antique and art and and doing that mixing and matching. I think you'll see pullback on licenses um, for some people where they want to um, really rethink their brand and, you know, kind of hold on to what it what their brand represents and means and you know where things are manufactured that was another thing for a long time thinking about um is there is there a possibility for things to be manufactured in the u.s again you know you look at a store like reformation and what they're doing in terms of the local manufacturing and you know just manufacturing on demand more or less and you know, the, the way that their stores are designed and, and how they integrate um, the offline and online experience. I, I think you'll see a lot more of that. And I think also people will be price sensitive. And, and also I think, you know, I don't, uh, another thing I'm seeing is interestingly a brand that you wouldn't expect. Michael Kors, the Michael, Michael Kors line, so much of their stuff is machine washable, you know, and I think that there's something about that um, being able to um, keep your own home and take care of your own home and um, not rely on all of these other services and take care of your own clothing and, and all of that sort of stuff is something, you know, the steamery is another thing that the, the really chic steamers that uh, just arrived from Europe. <laughs> I'm waiting for mine to arrive in the mail. It should take another two to four weeks. But yeah, I just bought the new Dyson uh, vacuum cleaner, which has been my, my, my new hobby. You know, I love it. Uh, <laughs> but I think our, ge- our generation is really missing, you know, our version of Martha Stewart, you know, somebody to teach us how to take care of the things that we have and that kind of consciousness. As you say, mindfulness, you know, it all fits hand in hand. There's the, there's a calmness that comes from having the right amount of things and having things that you love and um, feeling comfortable and, and not stressed out um, by or, or that your objects or your things own you in any way, you know, and I think that that's, that's something people are looking for. Yeah, which is also it, before the crisis um, was it being sort of manifested with the boomer generation, who me, many of whom were relinquishing their f- many homes uh, t- to feel maybe unshackled, uh, to have less things, to be more footloose and fancy free, and and be able to you know benefit from airbnbs and whatever it may be to not have to own but to be able to um to be able to to benefit from a a new world out there that many of them haven't been able to to experience before um laura i'd love people to end with because you and i could really go on for hours Mm -hmm. i know as we have done many many a time before um i'd love you to end you know have your last word on what are some of the things that, that are going on at doyle that you'd love everyone to to know about or any last words um, of, of inspiration or hope that you want to leave people with about how we're going to come out of this? You know, our, our job is to tell stories um, and that's what we love about it. We tell the stories of the objects that we sell and um, sometimes they're quieter and smaller stories than our, than our competitors. Um, they're maybe they're not publicized as much, but they're still very important. And so our duty is really to tell these stories and to to handle the property that we're selling with care and to treat our clients as family. And our business is not about 
um, transactions. It's about building relationships. And so I think that, you know, the future of online auctions and the changes in the, in the auction world really ultimately still comes down to people and relationships. People and relationships. There we go. There's no, no, no two words that are more important to all of us today. Uh, and for those of you who have not visited Doyle Galleries, please do so when the world starts spinning again, because it's really a very special moving place, I would even say. And, uh, and as you heard me speak about uh, passionately earlier, Hayloft is one way to get oneself uh, very much geared into this world. And, and frankly, at a Pretty, pretty reasonable opening price point, and, and, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Laura Doyle, you are just magic. Thank you so much for joining me on the safari. Thank you for having me, Marty. Okay, bye. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.